Hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 of Sights on Sinnoh. My name is Will and again with us on the couch we have Manny. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> oh man. I, I, I love that. I, I did not see it coming. But yeah, if yeah. you are new to this podcast, this is our Sights on Sinnoh podcast focusing on the Diamond and Pearl anime. And today, as Manny mentioned, we're introducing Rourke, who is the Orberg gym leader. And this is because we're covering episodes 15 and 16 of the show. And an uh, interesting fact, um, Rourke is played by a voice actor named Alejandro Saab, who many people might know in Pokemon Journeys as Monarch Leon. Really? Yeah. Wow, he came back after like yeah. 10 years? Because um, he had sounded familiar, but I wasn't thinking about Leon. I was thinking about something else. So I looked up his um his Wikipedia, and yep, he plays Leon. That's Pretty cool. awesome. Yeah, I had no clue. He... <laughs> I... Do you know if he's played anything else in Pokemon since Rourke? Uh, I know he's an additional voices but i'm not okay. entirely sure who that's fascinating because a bit of information about this part of the show rourke is actually in four episodes which is actually a good amount compared to other gym leaders so i wonder if that was partially why they brought him back or even got him on in the first place as a talent that is going to be there for more than like just one episode, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we, let's try this guy for Leon." That's fascinating. Yeah, it could, it could also be kind of like when Four Kids had everything. Pretty mm -hmm. much every voice actor was in every one of their single shows. It probably was like a bit of a deal where like, "Hey, if we need you for mm -hmm. something, we'll give you a call." Yeah, yeah I that was a really cool. That was a really cool fact. Yeah, I need to look more at journeys now and pay attention to the voice and compare them because that would be really funny if like oh i can oh, yeah. hear the rourke in there yeah i think he probably sounds maybe a bit more different mm -hmm. yeah it, it has been a long time yeah sure. this episode is very much about rourke as we learn about him and their characters learn about him so to give the blurb for this real quick for episode 15 which is titled shapes of things to come it goes like this Ash and his friends have reached Orberg City, where Ash will try to earn his first Sinnoh Gym Badge. But Paul has beat him to the Orberg Gym, and he'll battle Gym Leader Rourke first. If Rourke ever shows up... Rourke is also a mining foreman who's busy excavating for buried fossils and coal ore. In fact, Ash and company locate him just as he's uncovered another fossil find. The fossils he discovers can be revived at the local museum, which has Team Rocket sensing another great opportunity to score some Pokemon for their boss. Now, this is Ash arriving in Orberg City in the beginning, reaching the gym, which parallels a lot of the events from the actual games, which I thought was interesting. Oh, how so? I haven't played the games. Oh, yeah. So, in the games, when he reaches Orberg City... His rival bear, your rival in the game, if you're Lucas or oh, Don, okay. uh, your rival Barry is actually blocking the entrance. And he's saying, hey, uh, Rourke is gone at the mines right now, and he's waiting for him to come back also. So 
I don't remember if Barry actually tells you to go to the mines to find him or not. But in this case, in the show, they all, they don't tell him at all. They just say, oh, he'll, he'll come back. But Ash and his friends decide to go down themselves after they learn from Ash and the assistant slash referee at the gym that Rourke isn't there at the moment. Fire Red, they do that as well, right? With Viridian Jim? Yes. But here also... it's pretty immediate where like you get there and they're like, oh yeah, go down. And then within five minutes, you find him inside the mines. And he's like, oh, oh okay. hey, I'm gonna, I'll be at the gym. I'll see you there. <laughs> and he just like runs away. That's funny. But yeah, I was going to ask about that because I was thinking how many regions are there where the first gym is the one that's just closest to you? Because again, like you mentioned in Kanto with Viridian City, Viridian City Gym is the closest to you from Pallet Town, but it's the last gym you go to. So I wonder if there's any lore where at some point that gym was supposed to be the first one, but it didn't because of Team Rocket. I think Edelberg is also the closest one, right? Yes, that's true. I did remember that. And your dad's like, you're not, yeah. you're not good enough. You have to come back later. Yeah, one of the, the, the only dads in the game. <laughs> He's like, you know what? <laughs> not good enough yet. Come on, go, go somewhere else. He doesn't even want to see you. I feel like all the other ones are in order. I don't remember anything from X and Y. That one was the bug gym, and I think it was like the second or third town was from where you started. And I think Galar was pretty forward. I don't know. Actually, I haven't seen much of... Um... Oh, you mean the games? Yeah, yeah, yes. no, yeah the games. Yes. Oh, no, 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 because the first one is uh, the fire gym, but you can't challenge it yet. Oh, that's right. Well, there you go. You see? That's so cool. Okay. Oh, that's like one of the consistencies, yeah, of the games. Well, anyway, that's good to know. And Elberg is the closest to, to Twin Leaf Town, which is the beginning of this region. I was kind of expecting Rourke to be more like, oh, yeah, there's, of course there's challengers. I'm, I'm like the first gym that's closest to the place where people usually get their first Pokemon, which is Sanjum Town at Professor Rowan's lab. I probably feel like archaeology is his main love. Mm -hmm. It's like with Brock and breeding. Oh, probably puts effort or probably gets carried away and then forgets he's a gym leader. <laughs> Yes, you see here that when Ash and his friends get to the coal mines, he's trying to kind of talk to the fossil and form a connection with it. So he clearly has some love going on there for these rocks. Yeah, he, he was talking to, at the time we didn't know, but he was talking to a car coal. That's my head cannon. Oh, a what? Oh! <laughs> a car coal. <laughs> Confirmed... Confirmed Gen 8 way back then. That is interesting, though, that this is both a coal mine and a fossil, fossil excavation yeah. site. I don't know how common that is in real life where there's overlap between the two, but now I'm curious to find out. But what I did like about this is that you get to see gym leaders that have jobs outside of their gym. That's a pretty cool dynamic. Like, I've always kind of wanted... Was it called Pokemon Masters, where they had like mini episodes, and they introduced um, got his name the the main character for Gold with his Typhlosion. Oh, Chronicles. There you go, Chronicles. I, I've I've always wanted a Chronicles that focused on the gym leaders because I think mm -hmm. knowing more mm -hmm. of them just 
this is an appreciation for them. Yes. That would be cool to see. Right, because for me, what makes it cool is seeing how the gym leaders are connected to that element or that Pokemon yeah. type through something other than just the battle. There's something that's in their life that keeps them interested in it as yeah. either a hobby or a career. And I think Gen 5, which is the one following Gen 4, does this really well in, in showing how pretty much every gym leader has an occupation outside of being just a gym leader that keeps them more in sync and more organically connected to their craft. Yeah, that's a really cool aspect because we saw the difference in Kanto, how Misty stayed true to the water gym. Mm-hmm. Whereas Brock, when he started out, he was a rock-type gym leader, but decided to focus more on the breeder aspect. And I think that's why he didn't stay with just pure rock types. Mm-hmm. That's why he decided to catch various... Because, you know, to become a breeder, you, you, you have to know what each Pokemon likes and dislikes yeah. and how it, how it helps them out. That's an interesting point. Yeah, like, it's something we don't focus on at the time because we're kids you know we just want to learn about the world and see who catches what pokemon but as as the, the older you get and you kind of look for things to nitpick or, or things that you didn't recognize at first it's, it's a really good thing to appreciate right like the first pokemon that we see brought catch when he first joins the team is a zubat we're just yeah. like what, <laughs> what? Well, yeah because we didn't even see when it happened right he just brought it out well, he he was in like they were going to Mount, the team was getting to Mount Moon, and yeah. they were just flying out, and he just like throws a Pokeball or something, and oh, like, oh. oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember him just popping it out of nowhere and being like, "What the?" Okay. <laughs> yeah, I might be wrong on that, but it's it's definitely kind of weird. It might also be because he already has most of the Rock types in Kanto already because he has yeah. Geodude and Onyx, um, but. Yeah, it's. I, I wonder if that's a bit of retconning that they're doing to show that Brock was always leading towards this Pokemon reader pa- breeder passion. Yeah, but, and, and, and mm-hmm. this battle, I really liked the way he was used. Oh, Onyx? Yes, I was going to say. No, like, no, it, no, I'm talking about Brock as, as in with his, his intellect. Oh, true, true. His studies as a breeder, how they paid off during everything that, that he's, he was doing during that battle. Yeah, and before we jump right into that, to kind of catch our listeners up to how we got to the battle, once Ash, Brock, and Dawn get to the mines and find Rourke, they tell him, oh yeah, we went to the gym, but you weren't there, buddy. What, what's up with that? <laughs> like, not that aggressively, but yeah. I like to imagine Ash is trying yeah. to pressure him into coming back to the gym to get the battle done. But he's yes. like, oh cool, I have two j- challengers already, so I'm going to go and battle them. So he gets mm-hmm. back there, and Paul, who was just hanging out at the Pokemon Center because he told the assistant, oh, I'm going to be there, so just, I guess, tell me when he's back, uh, arrives at the gym finally, and Rourke is like, all right, let's go battle. And Dawn says, oh, cool, I want to, like, I'm excited to see this. And Rourke's like, you've never seen a gym battle? Which to me was like, okay, chill. <laughs> this is, like, again, going back to the geography I feel like you're going to get a lot of those people at this gym who've never seen a battle because they're new trainers, Rourke. Like, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it makes me wonder, like, 
who challenges him if, if he's <laughs> like off guard, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I was like, all right, well, let's just go with it. But Rourke does ask Paul if he's okay with them watching, and he says he doesn't really care. And already there's been a ton of small interactions in this episode that really nail down the point that Ash and Brock, that not Ash and Brock, that Ash and Paul do not get along very well and are just getting on each other's nerves, basically, mostly on Ash's nerves. But yeah, then we dive into the battle where we see a new Pokemon from Paul as he sends out his Azumarill versus Rourke's Geodude, which is the first match in the 3v3 battle. Yes. And at that time, fairy still wasn't a thing, right? Fairy? Yeah, the fairy type. Oh, no, no. Yes, fairy would not exist for two more generations. Okay. Mm. You're asking because of Azumarill? Yes. Got it. I will say I didn't like this cold open. Just... Yeah, I uh, have to agree. I don't know. I The cold open is near the very end of this battle and yeah. it's it, it, there's a lot of things also there where it's not something that's unexpected. It's just something that you're like, what's going on? Like I don't understand how yeah. we got here. I mean, if if this was how old was I at the time? Probably 14. 14-year-old me, I'd probably be like, oh, man, I can't wait to see this. But mm. again, it just, the timing of it, they didn't they didn't let it breathe, essentially. I felt like they mm-hmm. should have left a little focus on Paul's face when he said, oh, this is, was, this is exactly what I was waiting for. Give it, like, mm. yeah. two-second focus on it, and then go to the song. But it's like, oh, this is exactly what I was waiting for, and boom. The song right. Hits. So, yeah, it definitely left a bad place in my mouth, yeah. but... Like we I mean, we battle, understand the... now that we're going to get to that point in the battle, but at this point we haven't yeah. even seen him bring out his chimchar, so we're trying to figure out what what that cold open still means. Yeah. So here is where we start off with Azumarill and Geodude, and Geodude is of course four times weak to water, and throughout this whole battle, as you were talking about earlier. Don's kind of just asking Brock questions, and Brock's just also adding his own commentary about what's happening and how he thinks everything's going to go down, or what you know, what he would keep in mind as a trainer himself yeah. uh, in this battle. Yeah, I like that. That for the viewer, they used Brock as the exposition, or mm-hmm. um, allowing us to kind of. Learn from him about right. what's going Dawn on. Right, Don is yeah. clearly the new person here. Yeah, but they did definitely. Brock had in is mind. the way that she's learning. Yes, and they definitely had in mind that there were new viewers, and then I think mm-hmm. you know, with these beings, this was this first time we had seen Stealth Rock. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so it it was definitely a good way for. Maybe somebody who hadn't picked up the game yet to learn the special abilities. Right. Oh, that was well, that was a good point because I would say the biggest running theme in this episode is the word abilities and yeah. just seeing them in battle. Because I think almost every Pokemon that we see, someone comments, "Oh, that's their ability." Yeah. While watching this, I felt like I was watching Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> How so? 
because um i mean earlier Yu-Gi-Oh didn't do this but the more they got into later seasons Mm. It would be like, oh, I'm going to attack your monster. And they'd be like, no, you activated my monster's effect. <laughs> it's effect, da, da 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 But then the other guy's like, ha, huh, I was waiting for you to do that because now I can activate my monster's effect. <laughs> it was just like that whole back and forth. It's like, man, this is exactly like you. He's like, no, you activated my trap cards. This and that. But I, I really liked the battle. I liked the music playing in the background. It just it added so much to that battle and made it. It it actually got me on the edge of my seat because my thing was was that you know what in my head I was like oh Paul is gonna lose and Ash is oh, gonna really win. yeah that was my thing I was like Ash is gonna prove to Paul he's wrong about what he thinks mm-hmm. and later on when we go into what ends up happening I was excited about how it turned out. Okay. Like I said, man, just just the way the back and forth, the way that 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 Paul as a battler just, you know, like he had uh, the natural ability to mm-hmm. pick a weak spot and keep targeting it. And, and I feel like I feel like maybe as we get on more episodes, Ash will probably kind of add that to his repertoire because he might not like mm-hmm. the way Paul treats his Pokemon. But he can definitely tell he respects him as, as in terms of battling. Yes, even at the beginning here, Ash is very much fired up about the battle and yeah, criticizing Paul, but also learning from Paul very much at the same yeah. time. So as it starts, Dawn is like, oh, Zumero's going to be good against Geodude because it's water and Geodude is rocking ground as she, I think picks up from the Pokedex entry about it because she scans each of those since they're new Pokemon for her. And immediately, Azumarill's knocked out, like, in two hits. And I like that Dawn knows her general knowledge about Pokemon. That's mm-hmm. very cool. And, and, and it just shows, again, you know, she, she's taking a coordinator very seriously because her to have at least that much of of common knowledge shows um you know she may have probably thought about which pokemon would be best for her future teams you know as mm-hmm. as a kid daydreaming but kind of like that that you know she's with she has that knowledge but also you know she was able to learn that you know just because you have a type advantage doesn't always mean you're going to actually be the one victorious right like before her first contest she was still struggling with Using Piplup against grass types, like two episodes in a row against Badua and Churchwig. But now it seems like she's starting to catch on a little bit. Like, all right, (laughs) I think I can I can memorize how these work a bit more. But it is kind of brutal seeing Azumarill lose immediately without even doing any damage to the Geodude as it hits uh, away the Hydro Pump using Hidden Power and then knocks it out with two rollouts. So, was this what you thought Paul was going to lose? No, I, I just thought in general, like, before even the battle started, mm-hmm. it was going to be like, oh, you know? It was more about these two characters kind of coming to their to their pinnacle point. Oh, I thought that this was going to be kind of mm-hmm. like a small lesson for Paul. Oh, okay. He's uh, going to learn yeah. something and develop a bit more. Yeah. But I think yeah. I like I liked that, that with the defeat of Azumarill... Because it shows, 
you know, Rourke has probably been challenged by a lot of water types. It's like, you know what, you, you might have a type advantage, but, you know, I'm, I'm no slouch. I'm a gym trainer <laughs> for a reason, yeah. and, and I take that time with my Pokemon. And Paul shows that he's also prepared to do this I'm at a type disadvantage, but I can still win strategy. Yeah. As he sends out his next Pokemon, which is Elekith, an electric type that's weak to ground and not very good against ground or rock. But he's able to one-shot the Geodude with Brick Break because Brick Break's a yeah. fighting type move that's super effective, but it was still very brutal in how he dove in and knocked it out immediately. Yeah. And from yeah, there, yeah. it kind of shows to Don, hey, even Paul, this time, it was flipped to where Paul is at a disadvantage, but he still was able to beat his opponent. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of like a, you know, um, like a one-upsmanship, I feel. You got mm. me, and I never get you. It just, it just shows you know, Paul isn't intimidated, or at least he won't. If he is, he won't show it because he's always thinking ahead. I, I think that as a trainer, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of a good thing because you know, Ash kind of lets a lot get to his head. Yeah, yeah, totally. And here, Paul is very strategic on this. Um, once Geodude is sent out or knocked out by his Elekid, Rourke sends out his Onyx, uh, who is going head to head with Elekid, and Elekid is just trying to stay on its feet by using protect and this is where again we get the introduction of stealth rock as onik uses it to set up the field and make sure that any opposing pokemon that paul sends in are not um don't get in without consequence they'll take damage if they come in so from here this is where you see elicate still struggling to dodge attacks from onyx but this kind of pays off for paul as you see that alakid's ability static takes effect and he's able to paralyze the onyx yeah yeah that was again you know just the whole Yu-Gi-Oh fanatic in me <laughs> like um he hit it but no you fell for my truck so i i right he's my ability static and and i i honestly while watching this battle, I was mm-hmm. curious because I know um, Elikid's future, so I know that you know. Ends up happening. I'm not gonna spoil it because um, mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil Karina in case she's, <laughs> she's watching this series. But I was curious. I was like, you know, because again, I my mind was that Paul was gonna lose all three of them, mm. and, and and in my head I was like, well. I know what ends up happening to his gym. And I know that with Azumarill's performance, he wasn't happy. I was curious to see mm-hmm. as, as to what would happen if his, if in my head, you know, um, his Elicate ended up losing because again, I know, you know what happens to the Elicate in, in later, later on. So that was, that was there's something that I was, I was keeping my eye on. I feel like this is, his favorite, I mean, and mm. we can assume right, that that Chimchar is his starter. But I feel like well, feel like that's a good question. I'm glad you brought that up. We do get that information later, but okay. for the, 
for this point in time, I think everyone everyone watching assumes oh Chimchar is a starter because we're in Sinnoh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Him, I feel like him and Elliot are just so insane. Yes. They both mirror each other. Personality wise and everything for sure. Yeah. But then once we see that we have the paralysis on Onyx, Paul brings back the Elekid and brings out Chimchar, who takes damage from Stealth Rock, of course, with Ash is not happy about it. He's like, why'd you he was like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Poor Chimchar. <laughs> yeah. Chimchar is able to use Dig, as we learned from the battle against Turtwig, and mm-hmm. he puts that into play here, which is really nice since that's an effective move against a rock type like Onyx. And this leads to the second knockout, bringing it one to three with Rourke having one Pokemon left, or one to two with Rourke having one Pokemon left and Paul having two, his Chimchar and Alakid. So this is where we see Rourke's ace come into play as he brings out his Kramidos. Kramidos, one of um, Pokemon that I'm a fan of, along with Mm -hmm. Rampardos. I definitely love the design of, of, of both of those Pokemon, and uh, when he brought it out, I was definitely excited to see what it would do. Right. It was a really cool fossil Pokemon, and I think it, it got a lot of screen time, which is nice. Yeah. I also definitely loved reviving fossils that I found in this game. Because if, if I use it, it's, it mostly has to do with either the cover... Pokemon okay. or with the fossil. That's always one of the major factors that plays into it. But then you see the cold opening for this episode where Chimchar is ability becomes active, which means Blaze is now in effect. Now Blaze is an ability that I don't think we've oh well, maybe once or twice we've seen active before, but this was where it very explicitly is a result of oh the trainer let your the Pokemon take a lot of damage, and now that it's low on health, Blaze becomes active. And this ability boosts the attack power of its Fire-type moves. It did previous seasons focus as much on abilities as in this episode? They really didn't. I would say I... this season does a lot more with abilities than any previous season. Yeah, because I, I, I do remember like when Charmander would... Um... Power up, it's fire. I don't think they consider that an ability. Yeah, I don't think they did, partially because they didn't exist yet. Okay. Uh, since that was something that came later on. Gen 3, I do remember in some of Ash's battles, he would have his Grow Vials Overgrow ability kick in. Okay. But this is a little more strategically used, where... Ash didn't, Ash didn't know that that ability was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here, clearly, Paul was planning for this. And Paul is also now using the boosted Chimchar to damage Kranidos' legs using Flame Wheel, yeah. which it wasn't doing before, but now he specifically is asking it to target that, which slows Kranidos down, given that it needs its legs to run and use Headbutt. Yeah, and I, I like that aspect because it's going to into what happens next um as a mm-hmm. as a wrestling fan this is what mm. what we call telling a story they use a specific body part and focus <laughs> on that to kind of tell um narrative of of you know will will this affect the the pokemon later on so i thought that was a really smart thing for them right. to do kind of like make you 
wonder, you know, is the leg gonna be okay? Is it not mm-hmm. going forward? Yeah, it was, I like that that they had that focus on it. Yeah, definitely. It's it was a really nice that they're paying attention to this element of the battles yeah. and incorporating it in. But it's not enough to save Chimchar as Cranidos headbutts and knocks it out, leaving it down to a one-to-one match between Cranidos and Elekid, which Paul brings out again onto the field, letting it take stealth rock damage because he cannot avoid that, unfortunately. But this is where you see, uh, again, Elekid's static ability come into effect as Cranidos gets hit by that and paralyzed. But it's able to break through using Mold Breaker, which I don't believe is how that works. No, but the, you know, the anime always takes liberties with such things. But I liked also that that they explained to us, you know, Stealth Rock isn't just a one Pokemon. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool because you you see Don being like, wait, why is it still uh, hurt? And then, (laughs) you know, Brock comes in and he gives Mm -hmm. us the explanation. Yes, he lets us know that Stealth Rock is a consistent move. It doesn't just go away. Yeah. And here we get more of Elekid going head-to-head with Kranidos, uh, and then finally bring the battle to an end after it tries to burn away Elekid using a flamethrower, which I think is a really interesting move for Kranidos yeah. to know, and I know why, because of what happens in the next episode. But Brick Break is able to break through and knock out the Kranidos, giving Paul the win. Which leads to Rourke giving Paul the coal badge, which he takes, and then starts to walk out of the gym with Ash first telling Paul, Hey, aren't you going to stay and watch my battle? Which is where the episode comes to a close. So what are your thoughts on this episode and this ending? I liked I liked the the last part of the battle between um, Kranidos and kid and again i just i like that my prediction was wrong with um, paul winning mm. it was one of those things again you know, using a wrestling term where both of them gave it their all and looked so strong that it didn't matter who lost because both of them both of, the, both of those pokemon ended up looking so strong and and as um such threats that i was okay with the outcome and and I like that it was kind of like a who's going to faint first situation. Again, it just shows, you know, that Paul definitely spends more time with his Elekid. Or or maybe, you know, his Elekid has... I don't know what the word is because, I, I, you know, with Chimchar, you can see that Chimchar loves right. Paul. Paul definitely tries its best. You can you can tell that, you know, Paul takes the time to try to, to train it as well because he wants strong Pokemon. But I feel like him and Elekid are more... Yeah, overall, this this episode as as a whole, I definitely enjoyed. Yeah, I would... I think I would give it like an 8 out of 10, honestly. The beginning is kind of slow and a little weird in how Paul is kind of immature at some points. But the battle's really good. You get to see how someone else takes on a gym battle, which I don't think has really been seen, especially... Ash's rival taking on a gym battle because like yeah. you see part of Gary's match in Kanto but not much else. What would you give this? Yeah, I, um I'd also give this an 8. An 8, okay. 
I like the I, yeah, I like this episode as a whole, and and it just made me forget about you know, that awful cold opening. So if it can make me forget about that, <laughs> and definitely high grade. And again, and just just the music. Mm-hmm. Music always adds such intensity or, or whatever it is that the mood is. Music accompanying it just definitely added to the battle. Made it seem more important than it should have been. Not that it wasn't important, but it just added more to that level. Yeah, I like I like that. You know, your typical ten year old. You know, you'll, you'll be a bully to your rival, but respect adults mm-hmm. i like that you know he's he's kind of messed up to ash you know he still respects the adults because like, when they told him you know i'll be at the pokemon center so let me know when when Rourke gets here and he bows his head yeah so yeah this is definitely definitely as someone who who enjoys pokemon battles this was a really good battle yeah really solid battle for sure i i think i think it's nice that the first time we see something like this is with paul uh, because yeah. you'd expect it to be with Ash, but this is a, a nice change. It kind of shows how he's not just a side character. We're going to really see him develop in the sim- same way Ash does, even though they are very yeah. different personality styles and ideologies. And I like that that him winning left us with like, oh, okay, well, you did it. Well, sit back in and enjoy the show because our boy Ash is going to teach you a thing or two. <laughs> like that that it left us with that that feeling mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's where we're leaving episode 15 of the anime which was shapes of things to come and lead us into episode 16 titled a gruff act to follow paul has just won his badge at the orberg gym but he's reluctantly persuaded to stick around and watch ash's battle the next day ash in the middle ash is in the middle of strategizing for the match when he finds out that Paul gave away his Azumarill because it wasn't tough enough, which only makes Ash dislike Paul's style even more. Meanwhile, Team Rocket are touring the Orberg Mining Museum to get a closer look at its fossil restore machine, the key to their latest criminal plot. I feel kind of bad because <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the first episode was when they see Team Rocket literally just wearing a helmet. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't tell it was them. <laughs> I thought that was just so funny. They were, they, they were like, oh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And they turn around, they go, twerps. And they're like, what? And they're like, oh, nothing. But, I mean, come on. You gotta know that's them. They're not literally just wearing a helmet. Yeah. I like I like when they do odd jobs because they change up their motto. Mm, yes. Let us know what they're dealing with. So this motto was pretty much them saying, like, oh, you know, uh, to make machines, we need that money. <laughs> we took this odd job Mm -hmm. yeah i skipped over that a bit in the in the the first one but that's also where we saw team rocket learn about fossils and the fact that you can bring them back to life which you would think people might know about in this world given that we have all these like resurrected fossil pokemon but right apparently it's news to them yeah and was it in this episode or or the previous where they show armaldo uh this one yes because they are touring the museum at the same time that ash's gym battle is going on in this one oh i was i was definitely happy to see it because that is my favorite hoenn fossil pokemon yes i also prefer that one so i feel like i feel like arceus is just telling you like give him these episodes and you'll see why (laughs) yeah because we've had 
we've had Krogunk, we've had Scizor, we have Cranidos, and now Armada. Yeah, it's so. true. Yeah, I love the fan favorites are making an appearance. Yeah, and I I also liked that instead of just releasing it, saw a young Paul saw a young trainer and and decided to give him. Yeah, his okay. So I was gonna say what you're saying. The Meryl line, as specifically Azuro line, is one of my favorites. <laughs> and then Paul okay. gives it away. <laughs> I'm like, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, that's what happens. They're chilling at the Pokemon Center, and you see Paul go to Nursoy and pick up his Pokemon. And you notice how many Pokeballs he picks up from the reception desk? Yeah. Two, right? Um, yeah. Which I thought was weird. Mm. But then, you know, we find out why. Yes, I I was watching this with a few of our other co-hosts. And I'm like, hey, know this? Like, pay attention there. You'll see, you'll see like, a, a small reveal there. Which is that he doesn't have a Zoomer on his party anymore. And this kid runs up and yeah. thanks Paul. And Ash is already mad. And he's, like, getting psyched to go to the gym. He's getting his party ready. And confronts Paul about this, and he says, "Yeah, it wasn't tough enough. Like, whatever." <laughs> He's not phased at all by this. Yeah, you know, he he might not have liked it, but you know, he Paul definitely made that kid's day. Just... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, that kid really thinks too much too much of Paul right now because he has no clue. Paul, like, I just want to get rid of this. Yeah, it would be like you know the equivalent of of maybe like your friend saying, "Oh, hey, you know, I know you like Pokemon." I don't really play this that much, but here's my my Pokemon Gold or my Pokemon Crystal for you if you want it. So, yeah, it might not seem like a big deal, but for that kid, it definitely was. Mm, yeah, that's true. I wonder if he's a traitor, actually, because we've already run into some tra- into characters who aren't old enough to be considered trainers. So I'm like, did you get this parent's permission? How did you, what happened here? Because that kid seems a lot younger than uh, Paul and Ash. But yeah, and it it could it could be the case of maybe the parents got them that Pokemon just for them. Oh, just like here's your Pokemon, but not really. You're not allowed to train. It. No, kind of more like like as in a pet. Yeah, right. You get me? Like oh. In order for you to be ready to become a trainer, we need to see that you can mm. actually take care of this. Yeah, this Pokemon that makes sense. I'll, I'd buy that. So from here, we go back to the gym, where Paul is kind of reluctantly in his own corner in the audience watching the battle, and um, they actually talk about this beforehand. But Brock lets Ash know, hey, remember, only Torchwake on your team really has an advantage against rock types. He completely leaves Staravia out because he's like, oh, yeah, man. you're fly type. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Staravia. Yeah. Staravia was, oh, man. Staravia just decided to be emo in that poll. <laughs> and, and, you know, Don comes in and is like, oh, man, Staravia really likes to battle. And I, I liked when they did that. A throwaway line where I think she said she was worried and then Ash was like um on saying that is the reason why her mom worries so much. Oh really? I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, he does cause he 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 quoted what 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 her mom said when she left on her journey. 
Donald's like, don't worry about me. So like you saying that is what makes me worry. I like I like that that, mm-hmm. that they brought that up. Nice, yeah. Or Star Arabia, man. It, it got its <laughs> its dreams just crushed. Yeah, it's already evolved. It learned aerial ace, but he's like, sorry, yeah. you're, you're benched. <laughs> but then we get back to the gym where Ash starts off with, I believe, his... Apom. Apom? Okay. Yeah, it was Apom. And it's against Craniodos, which is actually Rourke's ace uh, that he saved for the end in this battle against um, Paul. But I, I'll get to that later because I have a question for you about once we get to the end of this episode about that choice. But Apom is in there because he knows Focus Punch is a fighting type move that will do damage against rock types uh, super effectively. So it doesn't start off well. He tries to use Apom's speed, but it's not enough as Krandos is just able to knock Apom out with a headbutt. That was that was definitely just to show, I think, how strong Krandos mm-hmm. is. Yeah, and Kranidos uses his flamethrower to take out the next strategy, which is Apom's double team. But uh, he doesn't really do much, given that Kranidos is just fast and strong. And Apom's Apom's a cutie. He's like, oh, I think it's a she actually. But Apom um, is just not doing well here. Um, after like flamethrowers. And more headbutts. Apom is just out, which I thought was kind of sad. I really thought Apom was gonna get some more time to shine here. Yeah, and I I liked how how it did um, the setup for its focus punch. Mm. How it launches itself in the air and just rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, with knowing, with you and I knowing, you know where Apom ends up. Do you think that was a bit of foreshadowing? Maybe. I think the next few episodes have a lot more foreshadowing, but this is definitely the setup for that. Yeah, because I remember that it happened, but I don't remember what led to it. Mm-hmm. Apom is definitely a Pokemon to keep an eye on in general in this series. Yeah. Well, yeah. something I took note of. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised because I, I definitely wanted to see what, what Apom could do in terms of battling as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't really seen it in battles other than the contest battles. So, um, I'm I'm very curious what people think about Apom, especially if people who didn't see when they first caught Apom in the last season. But this leads to the next uh, strategy, which is Ash's Pikachu. Oh, this is where, of course, we're going to see Pikachu's Iron Tail come into effect, which is cool yeah. because in Hoenn. When Ash went up against Roxanne in the Respiro City Gym, that's where he had Pikachu learn Iron Tail in the first place because he yeah, had no one that. that were good against Rock types. Yeah, I definitely remember that training up. Yeah, it's cool that he's like, all right, well, I learned from that, so now I'm going to use this. But Paul is not as interested in this battle as we are, I guess. After a few moves and uh, Pikachu not doing super great against Krandos, he starts to get up to leave. 
and Pikachu loses it. It like launches yeah. Thunderbolt right into the air and <laughs> Paul's like in the doorway getting ready to exit and he like stops and his face is just shocked <laughs> at Pikachu's reaction. I I liked I love that. I like that because just like with, with me seeing Paul and Alecha in sync, mm-hmm. same could be said for, for Ash and his people. Oh, it could be, yeah, because you know, if we've been on this journey with them for however many seasons that it was leading up to Diamond and Pearl. So and I like that that Rook noticed as well, like Pikachu saying, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, Pikachu defending its trainer is such mm-hmm. a good mm-hmm. kind of, of the relationship. And um obviously Paul is interested in Pikachu because of when he saw, you know, the damage that it did when he first saw um, its Voltacle. Definitely a good enough reason for him to stay and to see what, what Pikachu was capable of. Because it's also the, the reason as to why um, Team Rocket thinks that Pikachu is very rare. It's an interesting take. Yeah, but, because back in the, the, the Kanto episode when Pikachu was hurt, they got like uh, a bunch of Pikachu. I, I don't remember where all those Pikachu came from. <laughs> they got a bunch of Pikachu and and transferred their their electricity to Pikachu, mm. which led to a, a a really really huge thunderbolt. And because of all that power, Rocket assumed that Pikachu was was a a, a rare Pikachu, mm. and that's that's what that's what became their cause for as to why they they want Pikachu. Yeah, so I like that they they yeah I like that they did that with Paul as well. Paul seeing. <laughs> um, the power that Pikachu has, and and you know, being interested in seeing um how it would turn out. I never thought about it that way, but that's a really interesting comparison there. Just like showing Pikachu's energy uh, as a way of impressing people that <laughs> that wouldn't have been a fan of uh, of Ash or Pikachu beforehand, because this does convince yeah, all because... to stay. He like doesn't say anything, but yeah. it comes back down and comes down. Yeah, we know that Paul Paul loves power. That's what mm. he looks for in his Pokemon. It definitely was something to keep his eye on. Yeah, and then the battle continues with, um, I believe, Pikachu managing to knock out Cranidos? Yes, I, I, I think it used its tail the way that Apom launched itself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I always loved about Ash's battle style and, and his Pokemon. He not only does he um, learn as a trainer, but he learns from his Pokemon and adds that to all his other Pokemon. So Pikachu used the Iron Tent to launch itself to go under the flamethrower, which looked aesthetically like it looks so good. And uh, that's how it took down the Cranny Dose. Yeah, well, actually, I'm, I'm checking this here. It looks like he does a lot of damage to the Cranny Dose using Volt Tackle, but does recall Pikachu. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And Turtwig is the one. Yeah, because job. Yeah, because um, at um, Ash, not Ash. <laughs> Rourke had, had had debuted at Smash. Right. Yeah, which Paul noted to Paul noted like, oh, he learned that move. <laughs> so, um, do we know he didn't? He replaced Headbutt with it, right? I no, think he I just used Zen Headbutt. Well, he has. Oh, mm, he has Headbutt, Zen Headbutt. Flamethrower, Focus Energy, and Head Smash. So maybe he replaced Focus Energy with Head Smash. Mm, could he use Focus Energy? Was it against Paul? Yes, he used Focus Energy against Paul. Yeah, I like I like that because I think if he he had done Zen Headbutt. He jumped up and he said Focus Energy, and just like that, mm-hmm. 
and, and I thought I thought that was a cool visual. Yeah, yeah. I guess we can assume replaced uh, focus energy for head smash, which makes sense. That's how. Yeah, that's how the battle ends. Churchwick is able to knock it out. Oh yes, you're right because of the the recoil damage. Yes, right because yeah, he has as, mold as... breaker, not rockhead, which they made the yeah. note of saying during Paul's battle that Onyx will use moves like Double Edge, which usually damage the user, but because of Rockhead, yeah. it negates that. Yeah, because Dawn, Dawn had said, you know, won't, won't um, Pikachu take damage. Mm -hmm. Again, just showing her knowledge that yeah. she knows um, what Volt Echo is. She's picking up stuff, and, for sure, because... Yeah, and Ash, Ash also using his smarts and saying, you know what, you took damage, come back here, take a rest. Mm -hmm. so that was a very smart move. Paul might not have liked it, Mm -hmm. uh, but well, it's definitely a smart move to do. Yeah. And then Rourke shows that he's not letting Ash take all the IQ points in this battle with sending in Onyx and using Onyx's speed to keep him from landing any super effective attacks, even though Torchway could do a lot of damage with Razor Leaf. And he's able to even use Double Edge again with Rockhead, as we mentioned before to knock out the Churchwig using Double Edge. And that was also partially because Krandos used Flamethrower on Churchwig, which did all damage. And now it's down to Ash's Pikachu versus the last two Pokemon that Rourke has, which are Onyx and presumably Geodude. So Pikachu's already exhausted because he was battling Krandos. He did that Volt Tackle, as you mentioned, which caused recoil damage. And it's down to Onyx and Pikachu's tails hitting each other with Iron Tail and Slam. But so far, only Ash is struggling because he knows that Pikachu can really only do major damage using Iron Tail because it's a rock and ground type. Where it's like, oh, cool, Ash is thinking here. Yeah. And then again, they just aren't able to get in on Onyx as it uses Screech to stop Pikachu in its tracks from a quick attack and then takes it out, um, which is just a sad ending to the battle because it looked like he was really turning around, but this is Ash's first gym battle and it's a loss. Yeah, um, one thing I will say that I, I've always loved about the anime is that they take moves that you know, mm. probably most of us get rid of in the games. They just make them look so good. <laughs> they make them actually do something, right? Yes. Like with the Screech, you know, we what we know Screech as is you know something that lowers the stat of your Pokemon. But the way that they used it to protect itself from Pikachu and it actually caused Pikachu damage. Mm -hmm. I've always liked that about. Like, uh, also, you know, Tail Whip, Tail Whip was also, the anime was used as a move, not just a, a stat change. Right. I always like that the anime does that because it makes those moves seem you know, super, super important. And yeah, again, like I said, you know, I thought Ash was going to win this. And, and just pretty much, you know, you can pretty much say he lost, but, um, in by a landslide because oh. <laughs> that, cranny, that cranny dose man mm -hmm. was just too much the force to be reckoned with and yeah and his onyx too you know when when we first introduced to his onyx you know i like that brock 
having an onyx mm-hmm. the realization of how hard that onyx has trained or, or um how strong it was right yeah this this is definitely was uh, a brutal battle to watch for ash and a quick note here that screech strategy keep an eye out because that comes out oh it comes back a lot later on actually and I would say that this battle actually impacts a lot of the choices and development that we see later for both of these characters. But yeah, uh, just a minor thing there. Screech is, Screech is going to come back in a similar way in the future. But my last question here is we saw the order of Rourke versus Paul where it was Geodude, Kranidos, or Geodude, Onyx, and Kranidos. And then for Ash, it was Kranidos, Onyx, and presumably Geodude at the end. Yeah, we can assume that. Do you think Ash would have won if Rourke had gone in the same order that he had gone with Paul? You see, that that's hard to tell. Because mm-hmm. we, can, we can maybe guess Ash probably would have beat Geodude. Mm-hmm. Still, um, I feel like the results still would have been the same because definitely had a hard time against um, both Cranidos and Onyx. Yeah, my theory is that he would beat Geodude and Onyx, but would still lose against the Cranidos. Okay. I feel like with knowing that Geodude knew rollout, maybe he would have used Turtwig first. Had gotten that victory. I think he would have still led with Apom, actually. Because we see him do that in the in the next uh battle that he has. I, I did like that he changed it up. Mm. I think I think it was part of them to do that. It just shows that Rourke is definitely that Rourke definitely doesn't take his opponents lightly. It was definitely intentional because yeah. I think they did it to show that Ash's battle was not a one-to-one comparison necessarily to Paul's because if they did it in the exact same way, it would kind of, it would be easier to claim that Paul might be a stronger trainer given that they're facing the exact same opponent in the exact same way. But now it's a little more nebulous. It might might be overthinking it completely, but... No, no, you're good. Yeah, that's my idea. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, I do feel they definitely took writers definitely took a lot into consideration. Mm-hmm. Probably did feel like if we do it the same way, it'll probably be just a repetition of the battle, and maybe the audience won't like that. Yeah. Whereas if we switch it up, you know, the audience will be intrigued. And not only that, but you 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 can kind of go into it thinking, you know, Ash had that exact. And game plan is like, oh, I know he's gonna start off with Geodude mm-hmm. first, so I got this ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, and and Brock caught on to that really well too. You know, like this is a good challenge for, for Ash to react to, to you know, a surprise or, or something that he didn't be coming. Yeah, a l- be a little more prepared for things that he wasn't expecting. I would, I would, I would definitely like that if if the games did that as well. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, because um, 
No, I as a kid, I definitely there were definitely some losses with the game, especially in um, Sapphire, mm-hmm. and I couldn't beat Walter's Milotic <laughs> for five five battles in a row. Is Walter right? No, the last gym battle, the last gym leader in Hoenn for Ruby Sapphire was Wallace. Oh, there you go. Sorry, Wallace. <laughs> yeah, five five times in a row, I lost to that Milotic. Ow. And, uh, yeah, when and it, you know, it was it was those instances where it's like you need to stay up late until you beat this <laughs> gym battle. But yeah, this is where we leave off episode sixteen of the Diamond and Pearl series, titled "A Gruff Act to Follow." Manny, what would you rate this episode? Uh, I'm gonna go with. This is definitely a hard one because mm. the battle was definitely. It, um, the fact that Ash definitely had a tough challenge, definitely something I didn't see coming. Uh, I liked the whole um, spiel with um, Staravia being rejected. <laughs> that was a, a very funny moment. And I feel like Team Rocket probably wasn't needed for this, mm-hmm. but since you said it was a, a four, four-part episodes, right? So I guess. You had to have their narrative for whatever comes. I'll probably yeah. go with seven and a half. Okay. Because I feel like all in Rourke's battle definitely was better in terms of just intensity. Yeah. Yeah. Seven and a half. Definitely, definitely a good episode, but I feel like the bat bat in terms of like the main focus of the episodes being the battles, uh, Paul and Rourke's definitely was a better battle. Right. I. I think I have to agree. I'll go with seven and a half, seven and a half out of ten here, because there was a lot of cool setup in comparison with Paul, and this was kind of the other half of that, where you got to see the strategies clashing and the personality type of both the traders also being contrasted. But it's slightly weaker, mostly because of Team Rocket's presence in it and not contributing a lot directly. And it's just a little shorter compared to what we saw in the previous one. I didn't really like the fact that um, Ash lets Paul get into his head without mm. Paul even having to mm-hmm. the finger. Um, Paul doesn't really care for Ash. <laughs> He doesn't let Ash get to him. He's just focused. He has tunnel vision. He's, he knows what his goal is. He needs to beat the. He needs to be Rourke, and that's be done with it. Whereas Ash was just like, "Oh, you know, sit back and watch, Paul. I'm gonna show you a thing or two. Right. He cares a little too much about Paul's opinion. He, he definitely, yeah, he definitely had that overconfidence, and I feel like that definitely um hindered him. Well, yeah, two very solid episodes here. And I think a great introduction to gym battles so we get an idea of what to expect moving forward and how both of these trainers are going to fare as we continue through Sinnoh. Because, as I mentioned before, we haven't really seen much of Ash's rivals in the gym setting. You kind of just see them outside, but never really in the place that they're competing against. So it's nice to have that, yeah. especially in the first gym for this region. And and I, I, I hope Later on, I, I I would definitely love to see him have a female rival. I don't think we've had that for him. A female rival. Oh, yeah. 
That'd be nice. Yeah, I think that'd be cool for him to have that that type of um, dichotomy. Because you know, personally, um, I'm kind of tired of the female always having to be a contestant. Um, but yeah, I did. I I definitely would like to get out of that that trope that female always has to be the the coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just like another character who is in this party that does battle to. I definitely like. Probably gonna butcher her name. Arena, the one with Lucario. Arena. Gym leader, the fighting, yes, fighting type. Okay, I definitely like her as a character, and I like B as well. So I definitely love to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Rivals or, or as companions, yeah. uh, someone that that isn't your typical. Oh, you know, I'm a female, so I'm going to be a coordinator. Not falling into that trope a bunch. Well, yeah, that'd be cool. That is basically it for us this week as we wrap up Sights on Sino episode sixteen. He or sorry, <laughs> that's getting ahead of myself. As <laughs> episode nine, which covered episode fifteen and sixteen of the Diamond and Pearl anime. So thank you to everyone for listening, and thank you Manny for coming in today and talking about this awesome gym battle with us. Uh, definitely, always, always a great time being here. Um, as of this recording, I listened to the episode with Greg. Definitely thought it was it was um. Good listen. Yeah, uh, that's available now if you want to check it out, I believe. Or, yeah, by the time this is out, <laughs> the Greg episode three of Satan Sin is available. Yeah, so, definitely been enjoying this time. Um, can't wait until I come back to see who might join us. Yeah, man, we hope you listeners uh, come along with us for the journey. And, and uh, you know, this is definitely, definitely I, I, I'm definitely glad that uh, I just, that um, I'm rewatching. I left it because I didn't like changes in the voice actors, mm. but well, that's that's kind of not bothering me as much as I thought it would have nice. coming back into uh, the Diamond and Pearl series. Yeah, the battling is just really good, so I'm looking forward to watching more episodes. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, because I remember talking to you earlier, and you were kind of hesitant on jumping in with the new dub voice actors that took over during yeah. Battle Frontier, but I'm glad that you were enjoying it and also giving into the battles which to me is one of the strongest parts of this season for sure yeah and i like that they added to the animation because the sub i think premiered a year before and it's not as crisp oh really as... yeah like the lines are, are hardly visible so they added like a double lining oh cool yeah this came out six months after or five months after it debuted in Japan. Yeah, like, I encourage you, just watch one episode. You'll, you'll yeah. notice the difference in it. Well, nice. Definitely a big upgrade. Perfect. Well, yeah, go ahead and check that out if you can. But if you do want to catch these episodes in English, the dub version is available on watchpokemon.com for free if anyone wants to check them out. Episodes do rotate through there, so catch them while you can. And we will catch you next time on Sights on Sinnoh episode 10 featuring the finale of this Orberg City Jim Battle arc. So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you then. Bye.